In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with your 224th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this one, The Falcons Find a New Way to Lose. Snatching victory from the jaws of defeat once again. The win probability stats. Of the three fourth quarter collapses are amazing. Courtesy of ESPN and I was watching Scott Van Pelt late last night and I just took a picture of it because it was so stunning. Week 2, Dallas, 99.9% win probability. But they didn't win. Week 2, Bears, 99.6% win probability. With a 16-point lead, but they didn't win. So they knew they couldn't let the defense back out there with the one-point lead. Well, a potential six-point lead, one-score lead. One minute, four seconds, 98.7 win probability, and the Falcons get it done. They lose another one. To the Detroit Football Lions, 23-22 to at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Arthur Blank was furious. You saw the pictures with him with both hands on his hips. And that sweet black suit and vest. That was awesome looking suit. But man, he, he wasn't real happy about that. So we're going to hear from, uh, I gave you the first item already, the win probability. Going to hear from Ryan Gurley and Raheem on taking a knee. Uh, he wasn't supposed to score, but that's, you know, should have just kneeled. Uh, not kicking the field goal from the 13. We'll go over our game notes. Then we'll hear from Keanu Neal, had a heck of a game. He, and uh, Carolina, we'll get look to Carolina real quick here in the division in the NFC South. Then we'll look at the draft derby. Hey, they're in it now, one, six, seven games in. We're at the halfway point, and they had, haven't turned the corner. Uh, looking like uh, one and seven's going uh, potentially out there again, given what happened last year and so forth. So let's, uh, you know, win probability. Let's go ahead and uh, have them explain the play. Uh, we got Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Raheem Morris here on the big play of the game where he was supposed to take a knee at the fall down at the one. They had talked about it in the huddle. Uh, but in the press box, you know, we coach up there too. And uh, we was like, why don't they just take a knee? They were at the 10. Uh, you know, you didn't need to score a touchdown. All you needed was a field goal at the buzzer. And, and Detroit had just used their last timeout. So, again, another coaching fail. Um, first one under Coach Raheem, but, but got to call it like it is. He failed the team by not calling for a knee. And by not kicking the field goal from the 13 earlier in the game. But here is Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Raheem Morris discussing that play. 
sure we got the audio. Not to, you know, go all the way and score with your mind to stop, you know, short of the goal line? Yeah, it's tough. You know, that's a tough position as a player. Um, you know, we talked about, but when you lower in your pads and just the momentum of, of trying to get yards is there, it's, that's a difficult spot to be in. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just disappointing way for that game to end. Was there anyone um, leading up to that play that reminded you that you needed to, you know, fall down before and not score? Did you just know instinctively that you should fall down? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the huddle, probably a couple plays prior to that. And, and I know that. Like I said, I've been in uh, multiple situations over, over my years in the lead. And, um, just, just one of the most fortunate ones. It looked like at the very end there, Gurley tried to go down right before he, you know, crossed into the goal line, but he couldn't stop himself from scoring. Is that something you guys had talked about in a timeout to make sure not to score? Yes, um, you know, it was talked about right at that moment. Uh, we knew that was kind of going to be their, their ideal choice for us to get into the end zone so they can have a chance to go down there and score. Um, so we wanted, to, we wanted to take the knee in the one. He obviously he tried and he fell in the end zone the last second there, getting tripped up a little bit. So he was told not to score, just wasn't at, you know, exactly before that play? Yeah, we're trying to get to the one. We're trying to get down to the one stop, get down like that. This is- All right, that was... That was Allison Mastrangelo from WSB-TV asking the questions in channels. Uh, it would have been all Channel 1 yesterday. Ryan first, then Gurley, then Raheem Morris there. Uh, over the virtual interviews, we submit questions, and we have a host in each channel. And, uh, you know, that's what you just heard right there. So they were trying to take a knee, um, not um, go down to the one, you know, and then maybe punch it in later. Uh, all they needed to run was one more play. They just took the knee there, then get down to the one. Or just to kick it from the 10 um, at the buzzer and, and, and leave it up to the kick. Don't give them the ball back. You know, the defense was the 31st-ranked pass defense in the league. But we're going to get more to defense later, so don't we'll save some of that. There was also another play, um, fourth and five from the 13. Uh, they tried to get Edo Smith on the linebacker in the flat, uh, but Trey Flowers sniffed it out. You know, great film study by him and uh, got back in the passing lane and tipped the ball away. So, uh, you know, Matt said, hey, I got to make that play. Hey, uh, you got to kick that field goal. How about that? You lose by one point. You needed those. You're passing up points. You can't pass up points. I don't care. Uh, this whole analytics, go for it on fourth down. Okay, midfield, I'm okay. Okay, go for it. Four from five from the 13, kick the field goal. It's not real hard. So, um, you know, that's just uh, that was just a bad decision. Coach got to live with it. They had already um, – they meet on Saturdays to go over these uh, fourth down calls. Um, go to AJC.com, Google Will Herringer. He's assistant coach. He's coaching the running backs now, but he's the game management coordinator. He kind of went over the process – on how they, uh, you know, go through the decision-making process on these fourth downs. And, uh, you know, they meet on Saturday. They look around uh, at their game from last week. They were three for three. Then they look around the league and see what other situations people were going for it in. Uh, I guess their chart said fourth and 14, fourth and five from the 13 was a go. 
Um, you know, sometimes you got to overrule the analytics and kick the ball. It cost them the game. Well, it's a couple things cost them a game, but that was one of them. So let's get to the game notes here from the 23-22 to 22 loss at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You know, they had uh, some long drives, that 14-play, 98-yard drive, uh, three-yard touchdown pass to Ridley. It was the longest drive yards by the Falcons since week four of the 2016 season versus Carolina. It tied it. They also had a 98-yard drive there. Matt Ryan completed 31-42 for 338 and one touchdown for a 105.1 passer rating. Todd Gurley, uh, man, he was, man, the blocking, uh, it was tough. Detroit has a good front, and he talked about the big boys up front and how tough it was and how sore he was after the game. But he had 23 rushes for 63 yards for two touchdowns, caught two balls for 19 yards. Uh, Gurley's seven rushing touchdowns are the third most through the first seven games of a season in franchise history. Devontae Freeman had nine in 2015. And Michael the Burner Turner, he had eight in 2009. Uh, they're the only ones that have more through this point. Yep, Bernard Turner was awesome. He would always talk to the media, rain, sleet, or snow. Fumbles or not, touchdowns or not, 200 yards or not, he was always there. So I thanked him for that when I used to see him in the press box last year. So hope you're doing okay, Bernard Turner. Hang in there. I know you were proud of uh, old Galladay representing for Northern Illinois in the game here. He did a great job, had the big catch for the Lions. Okay, let's get back to the notes. Okay, this was Gurley's 18th career game with at least two touchdowns, the most in the NFL since Gurley joined the league in 2015. Calvin really had some numbers here, 5 for 59, one touchdown, a three-yard touchdown. All right, here's another good one. Uh, Ridley's 23 surpassed Andre Risen's 22 for the most touchdown receptions through a player's first three seasons in franchise history. Ridley's six receiving touchdowns are tied for the fourth most through the first seven games of the season in franchise history. Tight end Hayden Hurst posted a career-high six receptions for 68 yards. Uh, Julio Jones, who we saw getting stretched out a lot on the sidelines there, he still led the team with eight catches for 97 yards. And defensively, Keanu O'Neal led the team with 11 tackles, 10 solo, including two for loss. Had his first career sack. Hey, why didn't they blitz on the last drive? I don't know. We're going to get to that. Okay, uh, that was his first career sack. Fourier Ulicon had nine tackles and a pass defense. Uh, at the end of the tape, look at a – well, we'll get to – on the game-winning touchdown, Hawkinson is behind Dion. He runs away from Dion Jones. Fourier is behind him. So I don't know whose guy was supposed to be, but he pulled away from him. He found an open spot in the zone, and they got a rule for that that they didn't follow. But uh, after the ball goes in the end zone, Dion's reaction is one thing and Foyer's is another. So um, I don't know what all that means, but it was interesting to see those two uh, reactions. 
and I was trying to break down that play at the end of the action. But Dion had four tackles, including two four loss. Uh, had a third down sack to hold him to a field goal. He's got 1.5 sacks this season, a new career high. He's going to probably have to do a little bit more blitzing. A couple more uh, notes here, game notes. Falcons had 26 first downs to 21 for for the D, for Lions. Lions were held to 3 of 10 on third down. Um, the Falcons lost the game in the, the two, uh, you know, under two-minute drives right at before halftime. They got a field goal, then right at the end they get a touchdown. So that's nine points right there. That's where they lost the game. Defense played pretty good throughout, uh, but except for uh, with the game, with the clock running down. So you need a play. That's what Coach Raheem said. You needed somebody to make a play. Nobody did. <clears throat> Total net yards, 386 for the Lions, 388 for the Falcons. That's even. 59 plays to 70. Uh, the Falcons tried to win. The, they won the time of possession, but not as by as much as they wanted. Uh, average gain, 6.5 for Detroit, 5.5 for Atlanta. Rushing net, 64 and 66. So, you know, good up front defense, bad back end defense, which is what we saw in the uh, stats coming into the game. Uh, net pass, 3340 for Staffy, 338 for Ryan. So, that we're both even there. That's we got a one point game. Uh, the penalties, Falcons had 8 for 53, the Lions 5 for 50. The one bizarre one was the rough in the passer on AJ Terrell. Uh, we have a pool report online, but it's more about the 10-second runoff at the end. Uh, I talked to some refs at the um, game, and uh, they said, uh, you know, it was a rookie crew down there. They knew it was a penalty, but they should have called launching, not roughing the passer, because he wasn't a passer anymore. He had scooted out of the pocket, so he had turned into a runner. So you could hit him, but uh, Terrell left his feet. So it was a launching penalty, not a roughing the passer. Turnover, 0-1, to one, so it lost the turnover battle. The punter, Jason Butt, who's uh, formerly of that website but was working with us now, he, um, he's he been on the punter all week, and all, all season. And uh, I guess it stood out here again today, or, or against the Lions. Uh, they Their punter averaged 52.3 yards a punt and was booming them. Uh, Hoffrecht, there was 43.5, but... You know, I've been putting his hang times out there, and uh, you know, there's not—he's not—they're got not getting returned, so they're getting the nets uh, pretty good. But hey, that—that—that's stark. Fifty-two point three versus forty-three point five on the punts. Okay, two touchdowns to three, uh, three field goals for Detroit, zero for the Falcons because they didn't go for one on the thirteen-yard line. And um, time of possession, Detroit had the Falcons one time of possession, 30 minutes and 45 seconds to 29 minutes and 15 seconds. So there we go. There are game notes from the 23-22 loss. And uh, let's go to Keon O'Neal. Uh, He's talking about the game, but he um, one thing that's not on the audio, we're going to talk about that when we get get done with him here, about the plaster rule. Here's Keon O'Neal.
on the 29-yarder, second and 10 from the 40. They get down to the 8 on that one. Uh, so maybe it was the 38. But they get down to the 8-yard line on the um, Galladay catch. He said he thought he bobbled it. Uh, I looked at it on the replay. It looked like he had his hand underneath it. So um, good catch there. They reviewed it. They called it a catch. Uh, but one thing's not on there, uh, but I, uh, I put it in the story, uh, in the five things we learned uh, on what happened on that play. How did Hawkinson get open on that touchdown? And we got the 10-second runoff rule explanation online from uh, Al Riveron, head of officials in New York. So, uh, But breaking down that play, you know, uh, Hawkinson was out to the right, three receivers to the right, two to the left. And so the middle of the field is where they're coming. And uh, Fowler gets free. He moves Stafford out of the pocket. Tack is too high. He runs past the quarterback. So now there's an opening to the left. So, so Stafford slides out, and Hawkinson slides with him. But Deion Jones does not go with Hawkinson. He just kind of stays in the middle of the field, and Foyer's behind him. By the time they start trying to get over there, it's too late. Stafford side arms it, whips it in there, and boom, touchdown at the end of the game. But uh, Keanu was asked about the play. He was like, hey, it's simple. You know, when he leaves the pocket, it's a new play, and we have a plaster policy. You have to find the guy and stay with that guy. So you can't let the guy just run across your face and just let him go. So Dion's got to see that and has got to stay with that guy. He can't pick another guy. And that was the third time in that game that Dion's um, play was questionable. Uh, on the 12 men on the field, he didn't get off the field. Uh, earlier in the game, him and A.J. Terrell let a receiver just go up the field on a wheel route. Um, I don't know if it was the rookie's fault he's supposed to take him or Dion's supposed to take him, but Dion's been around too many of these plays uh, to, you know, we don't know. We'll find out. We'll ask the coach. We'll ask Dion because he didn't come talk yesterday. But um, Neil said you're supposed to plaster. They didn't. They didn't plaster, and the guy ends up open. Now I talked to some of my people after the game too, and on that drive, um, you know the pass rush wasn't getting there, and you drop it in this deep zone. There's gonna be holes in it, and you know they haven't covered anybody all year, so. I'm thinking, hey, earlier in the game, you blitzed, you sent Keanu Neal, and he got a sack. 
sent Deion Jones. He got a sack. So, uh, hey, it's maybe Foyer's turn to come. You know, you got to send somebody. I know the watching the Cardinals the last couple of weeks, and that Buda Baker comes out of that uh, that nickel blitz, you know, and they put seven on the line and drop. They'll drop four, but they're sending some too. So, I don't know. It looked kind of too vanilla for me uh, for a veteran quarterback at the end. I think you got to send somebody from the backside or right side nickel slot blitz. Or, or or something. I'm not gonna let him just sit there and pick us apart because you knew that was that's what happened. So let's look at um, two things here. We're gonna wrap up and get on out of here. We'll look at the records, the draft derby because hey, they're in the hunt now. Um, they're in the Trevor Lawrence hunt and the Justin Fields hunt. The Justin Fields derby looks better. Uh, because the Jets are 0 and 7, and they they might not win a game, but if they got a quarterback, then it's a uh, then you can still get in there. But here we go: Jets 0 and 7, Cincinnati 1 5 and 1, uh, Minnesota 1 and 5, and then you got four 1 and 6 teams: Atlanta, New York Giants, Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, now um, I got a teams with one dot have a quarterback. Teams with two dots, they maybe have a quarterback. So the have a quarterback teams are Houston, Jacksonville, and Cincinnati. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm giving Jacksonville. Maybe they don't have one with, with Gardner. Okay, the Jets, maybe they have one with Darnold. That's a maybe. The Giants is a maybe with um, – Daniel Jones, and, you know, the Falcons have to make a decision on Matt Ryan and uh, Minnesota on Kirk Cousins. I'm fine with getting Trevor or Justin and letting them learn from Matt, just like the Packers did with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So if, I'm thinking you don't want to get past four, but, you know, one to four is probably where those two kids are going to go, so... The Falcons are in the hunt. I hate talking about draft stuff this early, but it's it's true. It's out there. They're they're down. They've played themselves into it. So the uh, Carolina, um, they lost to the Saints 27-24 yesterday. They were held to 37 rushing yards, but Teddy Bridgewater was 23-28 for 254, two touchdowns, and 128.3 rating. DJ Moore, the Falcon killer last time, he also got loose for a 74-yarder against the Saints. So uh, him and uh, Teddy are working on some big play magic over there. And uh, that's what did the Falcons in, and that'll be uh, issue Thursday night up at Bank of America Stadium. Now the NFC South, we got Tampa Bay at 5-2. and two. They blew out the Raiders yesterday. Saints beat Carolina. They were uh, they're four and two, and then Carolina is three and four in the battle for uh, two games ahead of the Falcons in the battle for last place. So we got a short week here. I'm getting ready to post uh, the Julio note where he said he didn't want to be traded and uh, he didn't like the rumors going around and so forth. That was one of my questions I put into the channel uh, yesterday, and uh, it's just a lot of. Stuff out there about the Falcons not trading Julio or Matt. But the president said that on October 12th, so that really wasn't news. But uh, we asked, we uh, submitted the question anyway. So 
Uh, we're going to post that up for you here in a second on AJC.com. So you can follow us uh, at D Orlando AJC on Twitter. Uh, go to our Falcons page on Facebook, Atlanta Falcons News Now. And, of course, we love when you um, subscribe to the AJC at AJC.com and get all our print and digital products. So with that, we're going to get on out of here with the 224th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of the week. Music by DJ Magic. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.